today, we start a brand new series that we are calling God Forever. And in this series, we're going to be, and we, we, we know that this series that we're going to do is going to take us right into the election. And so we really wanted our church to collectively focus on, the God, on God who is unchangeable, his character, his attributes, who he is and what he's like. And so today to kick us off, we have my really good friend who I miss dearly all the way from China, Francis Chan, speaking uh, to us today, teaching us, leading us in this series on the attributes of God in a series called God Forever. It feels like it has been forever since I spoke at Reality Church. I used to come like every two or three months and then Dave stopped inviting me. And then I moved to Hong Kong uh, about six months ago. It's been so awesome here. Uh, I, I thought it was gonna be miserable in a lot of ways. Uh, we felt God calling us here, but we thought, how do you move 12 people to Hong Kong in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of protests, and yet we get here and I don't know, it's just like, it's almost too easy. Like, like everything was laid out for us and the pandemic became under control here. And the protests died down. Meanwhile, back in San Francisco, you guys are going crazy. And then, uh, and then you're having these debates. It's so good not to, uh, not to be where you guys are. Um, but uh, when Dave told me that you guys are doing this series on the attributes of God, because that just that made me so happy because usually when there's so many issues, what churches usually do is they just talk about issues week after week, and there's always something new to talk about. And when you do that, suddenly you don't talk about the most important things. That's why this series on the attributes of God, who God is, it has to be foundational in your life because if you don't understand who he is your opinions about all of these issues are going to be messed up this this is really at the root of everything and we can keep treating these symptoms it's almost like why are you talking to me about cancer i got problems with my skin and fatigue and everything and you're going no no you don't understand the root cause of it is this disease and in the same way, the way we view all of this chaos, all of this craziness in the world, if we're not rooted in a deep, deep understanding of who God is, man, you can just talk about issues till the day you die, and, and, and you're going to have a wrong perspective about them if you don't understand what the Creator is like. I seriously don't believe there's a more important topic that you could speak on at this time than God forever. Who has God been forever? Who will he be forever? What is he like right now? The Bible says, I believe it's Romans 9:27, that it's appointed for a man to die once and then comes the judgment. Okay, and in Revelation 21, it talks about uh, this being on his throne. I'm sorry, Revelation 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. 
from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. It, it talks about this judgment that we'll, we'll all face at the end of our lives where we're standing before this throne. Now, as you think about this, and this is so crazy because, look, you and I, we're sitting on the earth right now, but, man, in a split second, we're going to be before this throne, okay? This could happen at any moment. We're going to be before this throne, and there's this being sitting on the throne. I want you to think right now, how do you imagine him to look? What do you imagine he's like? Because you're going to see him face to face. Do you have a picture in your mind right now? Imagine what he's going to say, what he's going to be like, how he's going to look. And let me ask you, why do you think he is gonna be that way. Is this just what you feel in your heart? Is this what someone told you? Is it kind of what you hope he will be? Or, or is it what a lot of people do where you'll, you'll, you'll take a few scriptures, but then you'll add your own thoughts to it and kind of create this God that you're pleased with and go, I think he's gonna be like this. Because what I found is very few people really have studied this book and out of this book comes their understanding of what God is like. And this is so huge. So as you guys start this, this series, can I just um, throw a thought out at the, at the beginning of this? Be careful how you study God. I've made this mistake where I, I, I try to figure him out, kind of like, remember when we were in middle school, you would put those things under one of those microscopes and you'd find those little amoeba flagellum things and you're like, whoa, look what's inside my cheek and you're, you're just staring and you're picking it apart. And, and I feel like sometimes we can go to scripture and, and we'll look and, and go, okay, I think I've got him figured out. It, we, we can look at God as though he's beneath us, below us to be figured out rather than understanding that, you know, according to scripture, that being on the throne dwells in unapproachable light, lightning and thunder and fire coming from this throne, a hundred million angels. And, and what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 is right now we see, but like in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. So right now, the best we can do is get some glimpses. We have to beg God, please, God, during this time, would you open my eyes to what you are like? Because again, we are not putting him under the microscope. In fact, it's kind of like this. I saw this um, video not too long ago. Um, have you heard of Demodex? Demodex are these little microscopic creatures that live inside your eyelashes, 
Okay, I'm gonna put one on the screen. Um, this lives inside of like the socket of where your eyelash goes. And they only come out at night. They come out at night to mate and then they go back into your eyelash socket and lay eggs. It's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's just what goes on in your, in your eyelashes. I mean, it's creepy, it's weird. And, and so don't look at God like one of those creatures. Instead, look at yourself. I mean, can you imagine if one of those creatures in my eyelash goes, I've got Francis Chan figured out. Like, what are you talking about? You know nothing about me. I don't even know if you can see me. You know, you're like stuck inside of my eyelash. You don't know me, Demodex. Okay, it's just like, you don't get it. And in the same way, that's what the scripture says about God. It's like his ways are unsearchable, but there are things he's written in scripture where he says, I want you to know these things about me. And so, man, let's come humbly during this time. Don't come with this attitude like you're going to figure him out. But you come humbly and say, God, I get it. I look at myself. I look at this world. I look at my emotions, my feelings. And I know I have a creator, but I know so little about you. Open my eyes when I read this book so I understand what you are like. And I, I feel like there's a, this thing that happened in the 90s where we, um, I'm pretty old, but I remember in the 90s when in churches we got so obsessed with attendance and how many people were coming that we geared all of our messages to what will attract the most people. Let's talk about things that will bring people in and let's avoid topics that will keep people from coming. And for that reason, over the last few decades, um, last couple decades, we've been just talking about stuff that people want to hear about. And by doing that, it's almost like we we show parts of God and we talk about some things and then we ignore others. Like, did you realize that in the Old Testament, there are about 600 passages that talk about the wrath of God? And that's the attribute I want to talk about today is the wrath of God, that God is a God of wrath. And yet, I, I remember even working at a church where the pastor told me, he says, hey, when you preach, do not mention God's wrath. Don't talk about judgment. Don't say the word hell. I mean, that was just the way we were instructed. Because it's not like, you know, if you put on the bulletin, hey, next week's sermon, Judgment Day. Oh, I'm going to bring all my friends. It's going to be on. It's just, so we, we became obsessed with popularity. And what's crazy is half of this book is about the judgment of God. Half of this book is, in fact, every prophet since the beginning of time had two jobs. 
every prophet, you're to do two things. One, tell people of God's promises and his blessings if they follow him. But number two, tell them about judgment and wrath and the warnings if they disobey him. That's what every prophet did. In fact, even when they went into the promised land, I believe it's Deuteronomy 11, where they got half of Israel, half of them would go on Mount Gerizim and half would go on Mount Ebal. And, and on Mount Gerizim, they would, they would quote all the promises. Oh, blessed will you be if you do this and do this, do this. And then the people on Mount Ebal would scream out, and cursed are you if you do this and this. This is just the way it's been since the beginning of time. And, and that's why when Jesus showed up, Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure. And then he says, woe to those who are, are well-fed now. Well, woe to those who, who laugh now. It, you know, it's blessing, woe, blessing, woe. Then you get to the book of Revelation where it ends. And, and, and at the very final state, he explains this incredible place of blessing and glory. And then this other place of incredible wrath. But this weird thing happened. Uh, back in the day, we, we just, preachers start saying, well, let's not be like those old, you know, hell and brimstone, you know, judgment preachers. Let's be people of grace. And so we just preach grace at our church. Oh, that's adorable. But you guys, since when is warning not grace? You know what? Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Jesus was a person of grace, but his warnings were out of grace. You guys, I, I have like seven kids, two, not like, I have seven, and, uh, and, and two grandkids. I mean, if one of my girls is walking to school and she has a choice between two paths and the one on the right I know has a giant hole and it is so slippery, she'll slide down, fall in the hole and die a miserable death, okay? And the one on the left, it's a little bit uphill, but it's safe. I, am I just going to be a grace guy and go, you know what, just stay to the left, honey. Let me tell you about the left path. It's so big. No, I'm going to warn her. I'm like, don't you dare go to the right. Honey, trust me, don't go. This is the way the prophets would speak. It's, it's his blessing. It's his wrath. And it's all together. I just want to read some passages to you. Let me, let me read... Uh, this is from Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities, against the lofty, um, lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, their flesh like dung, 
their silver, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end. He will make all the inhabitants of the earth. You know, we spent so many years rarely talking about judgment and wrath, judgment and wrath that people almost stop believing in it. I mean, when do you hear people talk about the day of judgment? Even right now, amidst the craziness of this world, you, you have people that don't even think about judgment. It, 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 like, it became like a, I don't know, like a cartoon or some, some old myth that people used to believe in, you know, 30 years ago and for centuries. You know, but we're, we're just so much above that now. And that, that terrifies me. It scares me to think that some of you have this idea of the way God is going to be, and you haven't really studied the scriptures for yourself. And so much of your opinion is based upon what you want him to be like. And you won't know the truth until you're actually there and you see him. And there's so many people say, well, if he's a loving God, how can he be a God of wrath? You guys, that, that's, that's who he is. He calls himself a God of wrath. He says it explicitly. It doesn't mean that they don't negate each other. You know, it, why don't you ever ask, well, if God's a God of wrath, then how can he show mercy? How can he? Because you like those things. But, but it, you got to understand, while he is a God of love and while he is rich in mercy, he's still tethered to these other attributes. He's still also a God of wrath. It's just that we don't read these passages. We keep reading just the, the ones we like. Let me read from Nahum. Chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. This is God. Man, just read this book. I, something I did last year when I was reading through the, the Bible is all the, all the parts that were about his judgment, I, I highlighted in red, and then all the parts that were his promises and blessings I put in blue, and I just looked through my scripture, and it's just, there's more red than blue. That, this is the way this book reads. And, and it's out of his grace, out of his love for us. He says in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. 
the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. The Bible talks about a day where he comes with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know him and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. This has been the craziest world, the craziest year, and we have no idea what 2021 is bringing. And the Bible says, Jesus made it clear that at the end, the world is just going to be chaotic, okay? Um, just like it is right now. He talks about sickness. He talks about these catastrophic things. He talks about wars that will be going on. But he tells us, don't worry about it. Uh, for those who know him, he goes, when all that's going on, lift up your heads because your redemption is near. But he also says another thing. He says that when he returns to judge the world, he says it's going to be just like the days of Noah. And what he says is people will be eating and drinking just like in the days of Noah and they'll be getting married and giving people away in marriage. And, and then the flood will come. You know, just I'm, the flood came. And he says, then the end will come. Then, then, then all these events are going to happen. It was just like in Noah's day. And so that's, that's why I, I brought this topic up is I, I seriously just think, wow. I, I, in my lifetime, when I was a kid, we talked about this stuff. This was normal conversation in the church because um, we read the entire Bible and we just saw all through it. Man, here's God's wrath. You guys think about it. If God was not a God of wrath, then the cross makes no sense at all. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because God is a God of wrath. And the wrath that was, was supposed to be poured out on me, he pours out on his son. You guys, don't you understand? This is like the craziest story you'll ever hear. That this almighty God, because he can't just stop being a God of wrath, he had to pour his wrath out for all the things that you and I did wrong. We deserve his wrath. And he poured it out on his son, the Bible, so that he could be just and the justifier. See, now my wrath is satisfied. I poured it out on him so that whoever believes in him, those of you, those of us who really trust him and follow him. We need to understand. You know, we always talk about, oh, we need to be saved. We're talking about, do you understand what you were saved from? The wrath 
of God. And now it's our opportunity during this crazy time in our world. God has us on this earth for a reason. It's time for us to step up and be honest with people and not just talk about what everyone wants to hear, but to love people enough to be people who actually warn of the trials that are coming and the judgment that's coming. Um, I took the, the month of August just to pray because um, I just felt like all this stirring and I'd be waking up at night just like just thinking about things like how this world is just getting so crazy and how do I get the message out. So I just prayed, prayed, prayed. I said, God, what do you want me to say? And what do you want me to do? And the message of John the Baptist kept coming back to my mind where he just kept saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, that's what he was saying before Jesus came the first time. And that's why I feel like right now is a time for us as uh, I really do believe Christ is returning soon as judge this time. And man, you guys, I spent the month just praying, God, as I speak about this stuff, there'll be people who just think I'm crazy. Um, but Lord, would there just be some that you open their eyes mysteriously? And even you, Reality Church, as God is going to be speaking about his attributes, I'm praying that he opens some of your eyes for the first time and you understand, man, the totality of his being, which just makes him so much more fascinating so that all of your joy and all of your treasure is in him. But I would encourage you first, get alone at some point and tell God, I know I deserve your wrath and I know you're a God of wrath, but I believe you poured it all out on your son so that I could be forgiven and then just freak out over that truth that a God would do that that is just so unbelievable. That should surpass any trial you're going through. See, when you have that understanding at the foundation of who you are, that's how we get through times like this easily. Going, this is nothing. This is, this is all temporary stuff. I'm going to be standing before that throne any moment, and he's going to decide where I go for all of eternity, and that's set. I'm okay. So spend that time with God. Speak to him connect with him and tell someone, talk to someone, contact someone from the church and just explain to them how God is opening your eyes and you understand that, man, this world is passing away and you want to be right before him. You guys, I'm so looking forward to the return of Jesus. I am so ready for this. And I hope you are as well.